Race matters. 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 Before we continue, I'd like to take this time to acknowledge we are broadcasting on the sacred land of the Gadigal peoples of the Eora Nation and pay our respects to Gadigal elders, past, present and future, and acknowledge their strength, wisdom and creativity. This land has been a meeting place for well over 65,000 years before us and will continue to be a meeting place for a long time after us. I also want to acknowledge the significance of Red Firm, where FBI broadcasts as the birthplace of black theatre in this country and as a place of resistance, resilience and refuge. This is Aboriginal land. It always was and always will be. I'm Darren Lasagas. I am Tanya Ali. Hello. Uh, you are listening to Race Matters on FBI 94.5, where every Monday we talk explorations of race and representation. We've got a good show coming up. Uh, we have a bit of an All About Women special, actually. So... All About Women is a festival that runs at the Sydney Opera House that asks questions about gender, justice and equality. And we're going to hear from two speakers from the festival this afternoon. American author Joan Morgan and Filipino-Australian writer, director, producer uh, Von Patiag. Yeah, I'm really excited for this, for this episode too. today. Yeah. Um, I am super stoked because this lineup of All About Women as well, so stellar. Are you heading along? Um, yeah, I'm going to make it to the Man Up uh, talk that Von Patiag speaking at this Sunday. Uh, it's very uh, close to my life experience. Always questioning masculinity. Never don't question. Oh, that's a bad double negative. <laughs> never stop questioning masculinity, I say. Never, never <laughs> stop. I love it. Um, yeah, I think that panel will be great. There's one called The Future of Feminism as mm-hmm. well, which um, is very exciting. A lot of like young women of colour on that lineup. Um, so check it out. Uh, it's all, all the info is on the Sydney Opera House website. Uh, Darren, how's, how's your weekend? How's your week? Uh, it's been good. Uh, week's kind of just starting. A little bit of slow start recovering from Mardi Gras on Saturday. Not that I did only or went too hard or anything, but um, it's always a bit like that, isn't it? Truly, truly. It's truly a, joyous time. Yeah, it's a joyous time. It's also a like a very big part of your weekend, I feel like. Mardi Gras, nothing else, really. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that happened on the Friday night that might have shaped your weekend, I know it's shaped mine a little bit, is uh, Solange dropped, dropped a brand new album. Um, it is called... Oh... I feel like it's called When I Get Home. When I Get Home, yeah. Oh, thank God. She gave, what, three days notice of the album coming. She teased snippets of it on her Twitter with some video and some audio. And by then we knew that it was going to drop. It came hard and fast. And, uh, yeah, the reception was varied, but definitely received. Yeah? What What? What are your thoughts on the album? Uh, look, uh, base level, when I first listened to it through... It wasn't as immediate as A Seat at the Table was. It is uh, an album that warrants repeat listens and that I did over the weekend. And it was rewarding uh, listening to it um, continuously. It's kind of rare for artists of this caliber to um, give you a lot of insight into their writing process or the premise behind their uh, intent with writing albums uh, like this. Like, 
Frank Ocean would never give you like a track by track, you know, or like Beyonce would never be like, this song is about this. But Solange did uh, shed some light on the comparative recording process and writing process between A Seat at the Table and this one. And I really like this line uh, that she said. She said, obviously with A Seat at the Table, I had so much to say. With this album, I had so much to feel. Words would have been reductive to what I needed to feel and express. It's in the sonics for me. Whoa. Okay. I mean... Actually hearing that, I haven't read her kind of um, expression about Mm. the album, but I think that is important when listening to the album because, yeah, it's It's more experimental than A Seat at the Table. I read that she um, said that jazz inspired her a lot throughout uh, and that makes sense, but I feel the same way as you where it wasn't as immediate necessarily. Mm. Um, Still beautiful. Absolutely, and I think... Why do we expect immediacy? Um, just because it's Solange and she gave us the true EP and a seat at the table which had Cranes in the Sky or Don't Touch My Hair, which were, you know, extremely uh, forthright with the messaging, doesn't mean that the messaging doesn't exist in this album. And I think the fan versus artist relationship really needs to come into question here. Uh, Solange doesn't owe us anything. And if we are fans of Solange, we owe her our time. That is so, so true. (laughs) Um, And actually very relevant to the uh, next little conversation that we're going to hear. I got to catch up with Joan Morgan, who is an American author. Um, She's in the country, as we mentioned, for All About Women this weekend. And Joan Morgan is kind of... um, an academic of women in hip hop. She coined the term hip hop feminism. um, And she, uh, in our chat, not the bit that you're going to hear now, but a bit that we'll hear later. We'll speak on that more. Uh, She was kind of talking about this um, fan culture and kind of the tendency that we have to put artists up on pedestals that, that make it impossible for them to actually like achieve the hype. So I, and I think Solange is a perfect Mm. example of that because when uh, she said that that album was going to drop that day, everyone was losing their minds. I was losing my mind. Like I was like, cool, this is my whole day planned out. I've got it 4 PM our time. Amazing. But, and like, of course, if you're listening to an album in that capacity, how how can it mm. reach that like level of you know whatever you dream it to be? Um, at the end of the day, she's a very very talented musician, but she's also just human. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I'm excited to keep swimming in that record. Um, but we will listen to this chat with Joan Morgan now. Um, she recently released a book called She Begat This, which reflects on the 20th anniversary of the iconic record, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. And it's also been 20 years since Joan released her iconic book, When Chicken Heads Come Home to Roost, in which she did coin that famous term, hip-hop feminism. Uh, so I caught up with Joan ahead of her debut Australian appearance, and we're going to hear a little bit of that chat now. Yo, remember Yo. back on the bully when cats used to harmonize like... <laughs> Yo. Yo. My men and my women, don't forget about the day. This is not the most the king. Yo. It's about a thing. To start, could you tell us a little bit about why you felt 20 years on the miseducation of Lauren Hill was something that you wanted to write about? 
the two answers to that. One is that I was really, I mean, I had an, I had written one music piece in my in about five or six years um, because I was was it am in graduate school and had just decided I wasn't going to be doing any music journalism. Um, and so I thought I was going to be finishing, as in like the last six months of doing my PhD, and uh, my son was off to college in California, and he had a delay on his financial aid package. And when we got it, we realized that he really didn't get any financial aid outside of a small academic scholarship. Um, and we were sort of left with trying to figure out a $42,000 bill. And so... Um, my agent had called about this book maybe two weeks before, and for some reason, I, I just told her to tell Atria that I would think about it, which is unlike, I mean, I've been saying no to everything for about six years, and when I got that bill, I was like, so that book that they want me to write in like four months? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> that was really it. The other reason that I said yes, beyond the 42,000 reasons that I had to say yes, was um, I just, I don't really agree to do longer writing things, uh, whether they be books or articles, if I really feel that someone else is quite capable of writing that and saying really what I would say, I tend not to do it. Um, but I honestly didn't think that anyone was going to approach this book the way that I was going to approach it, which was uh, I wanted to use this book as a way to talk and look at where we were, we as in hip-hop culture, we as in black women, were at the end of the 20th century versus where we are now almost 20 years into the 21st century. And it just provided such an incredible lens because of the time period, because of who she was to us in that time period. And the book is very much about Lauren, but it's also about the women who really helped to lay the foundation for the culture in many ways. No one writes books um, <laughs> about music and 90% and and of their voices of authority are women. Like, it's, we usually get called in as the diversifying voice in, like, a very male project. Um, and so, yeah, that's, those are some of the reasons I said, yeah. What were kind of some of the main findings um, or, I guess, like links and comparisons that you could draw to what's happening with hip-hop and women in hip-hop today? I, I don't really know. I think that we're at such a different point. Um, I know for myself personally, I no longer need hip-hop as my way into feminism. Um as a way to process, make sense of my feminism. It, it exists long before that. We we have language that we didn't have before. We have lenses that we didn't have before. We have things like queer studies, you know, that we didn't have before. We have hip-hop feminism in universities, which we didn't have before. So I think 
that young women are coming out of, you know, I had friends who didn't read my book, literally, like, until 10 years, until after it was out, because they were not interested in feminism. Um, they loved me, but that was not a book they were really trying to read. And their daughters, you know, they read that book by the time they're 16, mm. easily, some of them 13. Uh, their daughters uh, are growing up feminist, and it's because of the work of a generation of um of each generation of black feminists that came before them. So I think that hip-hop is, um, I think that women don't have the same sense of uh, either or that I was being presented to when I wrote the book. Like, either you're a feminist or you love hip-hop. I think that, you know, we've done 20 years' worth of work to let them know that you can be both, that your responsibility is to interrogate the spaces that are um, uncomfortable for you and to hold the art form accountable. And, and I think that, you know, we did a pretty good job in getting that out. You are listening to Race Matters on FBI Radio 94.5 FM. That there was a little chat um, that we got to record earlier with Joan Morgan. Um, She is an American author uh, and you can catch her this Sunday at All About Women. She's doing a talk called Hip Hop and um, Feminism. At the Sydney Opera House, we'll pop the info about that and where to grab tickets online. Just head to fbiradio.com forward slash programs and click through to the Race Matters page. Uh, we will also actually have a podcast special about hip-hop, feminism and queerness uh, featuring an extended conversation with Joan Morgan coming out this week. It's going to be out on Wednesday. Uh, so if that is your jam, you're going to be able to listen wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to FBI Radio 94.5. This is Race Matters with me, Darren Lasagas, and Tanya Ali. And joining us in the studio is Vaughn Patiag, Sydney-based Filipino-Australian writer, producer, and director. Last year, uh, Vaughn wrote and directed a short film called Tom Girl, which premiered on SBS's Queer for Short uh, homegrown programming. And this Sunday is speaking as part of a panel for all about women called Man Up at the Sydney Opera House. Uh, Vaughn, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Oh my God, thank you so much. It was a little <laughs> over a year ago now, uh, but just wanted to say congratulations on Tom Girl. Thank you. It celebrated you. one year last month. Yes, it did. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's beautifully poignant viewing and it's up online if you want to watch it. For those of us who haven't seen the film yet, um, can you give us a quick rundown of what plays out in Tom Girl? Yes, so it's about Justin, who's a seven-year-old Filipino boy. Uh, he gets bullied at school by, um, by some white kids <laughs> and um, tells his uncle that he'd like to dress as a girl because go- girls don't get hit. Uh, his uncle reveals himself to be a bakla, uh, who is a man who cross-dresses as a woman, and he's like, all right, if you want to do this, let's do it. Let's sail the moon transform. Let's hit the streets <laughs> of Blacktown. Let's, like you know, celebrate our shared Filipino culture and they kind of go out in style and, yeah. Uh, for me, growing <laughs> up as Filipino-Australian, uh, bakla, when it was used by my uncles, aunties, cousins, uh, it always equated to simply just gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one was ever actually 
like fully buckler they were probably buckler in those conversations and it confused the hell out of me as a kid yes. um, i know i know yeah why is it that there is a push and pull in explicit expressions of buckler in australian filipino culture do you think see in, that's the thing it's an australian mm. culture that because i feel like the word buckler is encompassing in a cultural sense like it you know it can include homosexuals it can include heterosexuals who just cross-dress um, when you look at a lot of Filipino films now or like Filipino things, like people will use it just to mean gay as well. Um, so it kind of means, I feel like it means like queer male mm. in general. Um, when you translate that though directly from Tagalog to English, it is just gay. And I feel like it leaves a lot of, it kind of like narrows down what that spectrum could really be. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of problems that kind of come across in, I call it like lost in migration. You know, like a lot of, um, in the 70s, a lot of gay men from Philippines were moving over. And I just feel like a lot of the buckle were kind of like physically sexualized when they hit the US and the Oz. So the word has, I guess, kind of changed meaning. I know I kind of made Tom Girl um, thinking about the more like intrinsic idea of Filipino buckle more so than the diasporic Australian idea. Mm. But yeah. A reclamation of sorts? Yeah, you know, and also a celebration of um, different ideas of queerness. Like, oftentimes when we talk about LGBTQIA+, it's very much with those letters in mind, who, you know, that are English, that are Western ideas of sexuality as well. So um, I think we're starting to see, especially more people of color, come out as queer. And that term, umbrella term, queer, is really starting to become, like, the banner for everyone kind mm. of thing. Like, yeah. I love that the story of Justin flicks the switch on an idea of authenticity f versus self-defense. Um, Justin gets bullied at school, so he wants to dress as a girl because girls don't get hit, as you said earlier. Mm. Whereas in most narratives, it's the boy who presents as femme who attracts unwanted and violent attention. Yeah. Um, in that sense, the way we present our bodies, I think, is inherently political. Why is it important uh, to explore this as a positive experience in your work? I just think it's because, um, like you said, you know, there there is kind of a, a gendered role that we put on performance. Like, um, you know, f this idea now of females having to display more masculine traits in order to be strong. It's like, why is that? What? Like, why can't we just redefine what strong means? And you know, likewise, like, there's this push now for males to be vulnerable, and like a lot of men should just be crying. And it's like. Okay, sure. I, I'd love that too, but why don't we just rethink what those words mean as well? So I think for me, like, you know, I was once a young Filipino boy living in Blacktown, and I loved to dress up and like, because you were bored on the Sunday. It was pre PlayStation kind of thing. So, you know, so like, um, and those were the fun, most fun times. They were magical, and I think like, there's something about going back to basics of what that play that children have. You know, like that idea of gender you know we kind of start to grow into that um and you know as we grow into teens like those get locked in so i kind of wanted to bring it back to this childhood fantasy of like i can be anything i can be a girl and it could be fun and like i could wear a wig and it's not a weird thing so yeah if you've just tuned in you're listening to race matters on fbi 94.5 and you're with tanya ali darren lasagas and von patiag writer director and producer speaking on the all about women panel this sunday man up we're going to be back after this next track as chosen by von this is charlie xex with boys i was busy thinking about
was Charlie XEX with boys on FBI 94.5. We have Von Patiag joining us on Race Matters this afternoon ahead of his panel this Sunday, Man Up for All About Women. Uh, Von, why did you choose that beautiful song? That is my probably absolute favourite song. Yeah, just the video clip is badass and it's just such a good song. Yeah, it is. It It is iconic. Uh, Yeah, we mentioned before the panel this Sunday. uh, It's with Clementine Ford and Osher Gunsberg. It's going to be unpacking a lot. Um, Some of the talking points that they put down is what exactly is toxic masculinity? uh, What makes sweet little boys grow up to become violent men? And I guess all the speakers on the... um, panel offer a different perspective but thinking about this in the context of tom girl for example yes justin is gonna grow up to be a beautiful whatever he chooses to be yeah <laughs> i hope i mean i hope so yeah. I'll, write, I'll write the sequel and let you yeah. guys know Please, yeah. <laughs> um, um how will you tackle these questions do you think you know it's that idea of toxic masculinity again it's it it can be a very Western-driven mm. conversation. And I say that, you know, as a diasporic Australian. Um, I think there is a lot to learn from intersectionality in terms of seeing cultural practices, you know, of masculinity, of performance, and kind of seeing how different cultures engage. Like, um, I think one thing that's really prevalent in Australia is 
men are kind of terrified to touch each other mm. um, and it comes out in very different ways and there is such an intimacy with touch but you look at Arab culture you look at Asian culture and touch is so ingrained in how those men kind of relate so um, that's kind of the I guess the view the lens I'm kind of going with it's kind of like what we can learn from absolutely um, yeah every time I think about or converse with people about ideas of masculinity I see it through the lens of my own ethnicity my mm. own sexuality it's hard to ignore these parts of yourself when you're thinking about one part of yourself yeah and I think this is something uh, you and I could probably speak to a bit more on being gay and also Asian uh, and I'm talking about how to redefine masculinity for yourself when you don't prescribe to prevailing white heteronormative butch notions of masculinity <laughs> um, yeah. what moments uh, have you had that you might be able to uh, pinpoint a pivot in uh, in how you understood your masculinity oh um, I think I mean growing up I was a crybaby, you know, which set me up. I was the youngest of three brothers, you know, that set me up to really fail <laughs> in, in Australia. Like, I really hated sports. I was academia. Like, I went to selective school, read Goosebumps books from when I was five. So I was in the library, like, every single day. And when you literally see all the other boys on, you know, playing, um, playing soccer or, like, you know, running around, and you're just like, I have no interest you know, in that stuff, you're, you kind of like, you know, you're in primary school, so you're kind of like, you can do whatever you want, you can be whatever you want, but you're starting to learn that you're different and you're other, you know, and that's aside from the queerness. Mm. That's just literally through cult, that's just literally through like everyday practice of, of being a person, you know, and then you can, you kind of grow up and then like, I think for me being in selective school, it was a very skewed idea, like um, academia was always really praised you know so I never really had the sport thing and it wasn't really only until I got to uni where you're just thrown in <laughs> to <laughs> like <laughs> meeting anyone and everyone every 20 year old from uni you know from Sydney is at uni and you're just like whoa um house parties and all this stuff and you know like and you really start to see masculinity at play and I have just I think growing up for me I've always felt like I was the other be it um be it through race but also be it just like i was like oh i'm i'm really emotional and you know i watched stepmom on the weekend and i cried <laughs> and no one wants to talk about why kind of mm. thing so if yeah i think it just for me it was like it's like my whole life you know totally uh oh, i wish we could keep this conversation going <laughs> so much unfortunately oh, if i could tell you all the things i've cried to oh, going up, right <laughs> i know I, and, it, and it's yeah. funny because the push the push now for you know like we need more men to cry mm. it's kind of like i've been doing it all, day, all, yeah. all, all my years like i'm here i'm here yeah to do it, so. absolutely <laughs> uh so you can see von speaking more on all of these kinds of things at the opera house panel man up along with clementine ford and osha gunsberg this sunday at the Sydney Opera House is part of All About Women. Uh, you can grab tickets online. We'll have all the info up at our website, fbiradio.com. Just click through to the Race Matters page. Uh, and uh, that does bring us to the end of Race Matters for another week. Uh, thank you, Darren. Thank you, Tanya. And thank you, Vaughn Patia. <laughs> thank, thank you so, so much. much. Thank you. Um, we're going to close on a song from Solanda's new album, as we were speaking about Ooh. before. This is My Skin, My Logo. Catch you next week. Like to slay, Gucci like to bay, 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 Gucci
Gucci like to come down, he go hard in the paint. Gucci like to sway, Gucci like to sway. Gucci like to come down in these starches every day. Gucci like to play, Gucci like to play. Gucci like to come down in his starches, he playing Gucci fly. Gucci got that eye. Gucci coming down on the slab with the fly. Gucci got that grill. Gucci got that chill. Gucci coming down with the thing, got the feels. Gucci on the sheets. Gucci on the speed. I didn't want a soccer, she had Gucci on her cleats. Gucci like to shine. Gucci like to play. Gucci like to come down. He go hard in the pain, pain. He go hard in the pain, pain. Gucci, he go hard in the pain. So Gucci drink, solo like the ball. Solo brought the game. They don't hold a wall. Solo like the shop. Solo bought the mall. Solo brought the guap. Solo throwed it all. My skin, my logo. Race matters. 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 Race matters.